Well, welcome to the Read Scripture podcast. We're just trying something new, experimenting. Right now, we've got thousands of people who are reading the same passages of Scripture every day, and we're walking through the Bible in a year. And so we thought it might be helpful to just every week, you know, I'll either be interviewing someone or pointing out some passages that jumped out to me so that the listeners can feel a sense of unity as they study the Word of God together with thousands of people around the world. Um, And so I'm just going to jump right into it. I'm just going to, you know, get into some of the readings that we went through this week. We're in 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. We're wrapping up the Old Testament. It's been a a great uh, few months in the Old Testament. I guess it's been uh, eight months now. And and I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I, I was so focused on the New Testament alone. And then someone challenged my thinking when he says, you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God didn't change. It wasn't like he was one way in the Old Testament, and then he completely switched and was a different person in the New Testament. And in fact, the Old Testament, you have thousands of years of history, and you can see how God acted during those thousands of years. Whereas in the New Testament, you really only have about a hundred years of history there. And if you're talking about the same God, wouldn't it be wise to spend a lot of time in the Old Testament learning about his character, learning about his actions, and seeing how they flow right into the New Testament? And so we're right at that uh, center point here where we're at First and Second Chronicles, which really summarizes the history of Israel um, up to this point. And uh, I, I guess some things that jumped out to me, passages that I loved, was in First uh, Chronicles 28, when David's kind of passing the mantle over to Solomon. Um, this is right before his death. And and there's just some words that he said to his son. And I don't know if it means more to me because I'm a, I'm a dad and my kids are graduating and moving on. But here he says to Solomon in, in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9, he says, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Be careful now for the father has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Actually, be careful now for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary be strong and do it. I mean, just that's just so rich. As, he, as he's passing it on, he goes, okay, first thing he says to Solomon is, know, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart. <laughs> it's, it's about this relationship with him. Mean, David is, is passing, on, passing on these gems to his son before his death. And he goes, son, okay. Man, the one thing I can tell you to do is just know him, know him, because everything is about knowing this God and having relationship. When God is with us, when we seek him, and it's this relationship before doing anything, being known by him, that's, that's the crux of the whole of Scripture. He says, know him and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. It's not this, oh, okay, I guess I'll serve God. Okay, I'll try to fit him in. 
But it's like, no, serve him with a whole heart, a willing mind. Why? Because he searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. He's saying, son, if, if you're just serving him grudgingly, it doesn't do any good because he knows your heart. He searches your heart. He understands every plan and thought. And he's saying, seek him and he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Man, such great advice from a father to a son saying, look, this is all that matters, son. It's knowing God, being known by him. And, and he knows what's really going on in your mind. So you, you can't really fool him. And if you walk with him, if you follow him and you seek him, man, everything's going to be fine. Not easy, but it's going to be good. It's going to be right. And yet the worst thing that can happen is for you to forsake him and him to cast you off forever. But he says, so be careful now because God has chosen you for this task, Solomon. So don't be afraid of that either. Be strong and do that. Just and do it. And later on, verse 20, again, he says, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed for the Lord God, even my God is with you. He will not forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. So just words of confidence, words of warning, words of an encouragement that, uh, that David is saying to his son. And then before David dies, um, I don't know if you caught that prayer. Uh, it's just so, so beautiful. But First uh, Chronicles 29, David, uh, in verse 10, it says, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand is to make great and give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly for all things come from you and of your own we have given you for we are strangers before you and sojourners as our fathers were. Our days on earth are like a shadow and there's no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers. Keep such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes 
performing all, and that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. Man, and then a few verses later, David dies. But what a, man, what a beautiful, wise prayer. And I, I just hope we all, as, as followers of Christ, like we, we grow to this point where we get it. To, to pray to God in this way, where we just understand everything, everything, everything is from you, God. And, and this attitude that David says is like, well, everything comes from you. So why in the world, why would you bless us so much that you would give us the opportunity to just give back what you've given to us to begin with? Like he's saying, God, you're, you're, you're too much. Everything good comes from you. And now you're letting us give back to you. Gosh, so often we we can just get this attitude like, oh, I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm serving the Lord this way. And and I and I get it. There are times when it's difficult and we need to persevere and just make it through. But I guess I just love this passage because David brings us back to reality and says, change your mindset. Um, our lives are good. They're really good. And the fact that we get to serve the God who gives us life and breath and everything. Um, this, is, this is an amazing, amazing uh, opportunity that we have and a privilege that we have. And, and then at the end, he just prays for the people. And he says, God, I, I pray that they direct their hearts toward you. That, that was David's heart. It wasn't like, oh, okay, I hope these guys remember me and remember everything I did for them. No, it's nothing about that. David understood everything's about knowing God. And all he cared about was, gosh, as I pass on from this life, would you direct the people's hearts toward you? Because I know what it was like when I was with you and I was close to you and my heart was fully yours. And I know the times when I strayed. And so, God, because I love these people, I'm giving them the best thing. I'm asking for the best thing for them, which is you, that their hearts would be directed toward you. And, and then his prayer for his son is not for riches and health and success. No, he goes, just grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments. He goes, God, give my son a whole heart. Make him walk in integrity. Don't have him follow the desires of his flesh or what's going on, uh, you know, in his mind. Make him follow your commands. So that he can do what he needs to do. Uh, just a just a beautiful, beautiful ending to the amazing life of King David. And then then we move into Second Chronicles. And in Second Chronicles one is where we see that prayer of Solomon, who, you know, after David prays for him, gosh, give him this whole heart. When God says to Solomon, um, in, in chapter one, verse seven, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said to God, you've shown great and steadfast love to David, my father, and made me king in his place. O Lord God, let your word to David, my father, be now fulfilled. For you've made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? So you see the son here following in his dad's footsteps, saying, God, I, I, don't, 
And all I'm asking for is give me wisdom to lead your people well. This, this is a huge task and I need you. Um, so give me wisdom. And God just loves that prayer. And um, verse 11, God answers Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you, but you've not even asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings had who were before you, and none after you shall have the like. You see, God just so pleased with that prayer of Solomon, saying, wow, I'm listening to your prayer, and you're not asking for health? You're not asking for long life? You're not asking for riches? As you read that or you listen to that, think about your prayer life. Think about the things you ask for. If we had a transcript of your last 20 prayers, what would be emphasized? Are you, are you praying for the things of God? You know, like James says, a lot of times we ask and we don't receive because we're asking for, for things that are about us. It's about selfishness. And, and the reason why God so loved this prayer of Solomon is it's like, wow, listen to this guy. He's not asking for things about himself. He's concerned about my people and he wants to lead them well. And so he says, yes, I'll give you that wisdom. I'm going to give you that knowledge. In fact, I'm just going to throw in some riches and honor and everything else like, like is never seen on this earth before because I so love the heart of your prayer. And so after that, you, you see in chapter 2, you have Solomon building the temple. Um, in chapters 2 through 5, it's all going great. Uh, you know, just a lot of work, obviously. Um, but then, then, then what I loved was when it was all done and the temple's done and, and Solomon prays. And, but, but, but before he prays, he, he says... Um, I love this passage. I, I don't know if you, you caught this, but in 2 Chronicles 6, verse 7, um, it says, Now it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to David my father, Whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, it is not you who shall build the house, but your son, who shall be born to you shall build the house for my name. I mean, it's something you can kind of gloss over real quickly. And I, and I don't want to make too much of it. Um, but some things I notice in that, uh, in those few verses is, is Solomon saying, okay, my dad wanted to build the house. Okay. He wanted to build the temple and, <clears throat> but God said to David, but listen to the words that he says to David. He says, it was in your heart to build a house for my name. You did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, it's not you who shall build the house. Okay, so, so however you want to interpret this, 
it seems like David wanted to build this house, but that wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's intention. That wasn't God's plan. But I guess what I like about it is that God says to David, you did well that it was in your heart. It wasn't a statement of, David, you fool. Why, why are you so arrogant? Why did you do? Why did you think that my will was for you to build the house? No, he says, you know what? You did well. That was good. You had good intentions, good motives, um, a good heart. You want to build a house for my name, but it's not you that's going to do it. And why that speaks to me is, look, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to try to do this for God. And, 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 and I think about the times in my life when I, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. And, and it didn't work out exactly the way I thought it might. Or, or, or maybe I, I wasn't just hearing the will of the Lord uh, correctly. Um, and, and I can look back and go, gosh, I think I failed there. I think I failed there. I think I failed there because I, I, uh, I didn't pursue his will perfectly. Um, and I guess it was an encouragement to me. When he says to David, you know, it was good. I'm glad you had that in your heart. That's not my plan, but your heart was good in wanting to do that. And I'm going to have Solomon do it. Um, I don't know, take it for what it is. But anyways, you have, uh, you, you have this, this speech by Solomon, but then the, the prayer is, is what I really loved. And what happens um, in, in verse 40 of 2 Chronicles 6 when Solomon says, oh, now, oh my God, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayer of this place. And now arise, O Lord God, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation and let your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. Remember your steadfast love for David, your servant. And catch this, next verse, chapter 7, verse 1. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I just think, what an amazing uh, worship service. What an amazing prayer and dedication of this building to the Lord. Uh, I think most of us, if we're honest, we get envious when we read a passage like this and we go, God, just once I want to experience something like this. I, I mean, could you imagine being with a group of people and hearing the leader pray to God and then watching fire come down from the sky, consume these sacrifices in the glory of the Lord, just falling in that temple and dwelling in that temple where no one could even go in or approach him. And everyone, everyone putting aside all all of their differences, bickering, whatever, they're just all fat, flat on their faces and giving thanks to God and just in shock. And ah, such a, a beautiful, beautiful picture of when God shows up 
and all of his power and his glory, and everyone just bows down before him. And I guess I read that and I go, God, I want your church to be like this. God, I just want to be with a bunch of people and just see your glory to where we recognize the silliness of any fighting, dissension, or just silly things we argue about, where we see you and fear you and we run from our sin because we see your power. And it's in that context that we have that verse that we we uh, recite often and quote during the day of prayer in chapter 7, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So in that type of uh, humility, uh, we come before God and say, Lord, we want to be obedient to this. We, we want to humble ourselves, pray, and seek your face. Remember, this is what David prayed for. This is exactly what Solomon is after. This is exactly what God wants us to do today, is not rely on ourselves, but seek after him. Turn from our wicked ways so that he'll hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. Well, we move on in Second Chronicles, and you've got, uh, you know, David does a few more things. He dies, and then, then we're on this roller coaster ride of, of the different kings. And uh, let me just point out real quick, quickly, uh, one of my favorite stories, which is uh, chapter fourteen, um, King Asa. Uh, you've got this, this king who. Um, I think we can just learn so much from his life because it started so well. I mean, King Asa, I, I guess we'd categorize him as a good king, maybe even a great king, even with the failures at the end. But anyways, you've, you've got in chapter 14 where you see uh, King Asa's heart. He's, he's in war and the battle is way above him. He's not going to beat these people in the flesh. And so in verse 11, Asa cried to the Lord, has got a beautiful prayer. Oh, Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. Beautiful prayer. This should be our heart every day as we come before God. It's like, I'm weak. I, there's no way I can do this. But Lord, you are so strong and there's, there's no one who can defeat you. So he just cries, help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you. Was that your prayer this morning? God, help me because I rely on you. Or did you have this day planned out? Do you have this next week planned out this next year? You got everything figured out. Kind of, kind of like the guy again in James four, when he says, Oh, I got the next year figured out. I'm going to go to this city. I'm going to do this, 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 this. And he says, you don't even know if you're going to live another day. And, and here you've got this attitude of King Asa of like, okay, I'm relying on you. Help me. I can do nothing apart from you. And, uh, and so then you see uh, in chapter 15, Asa doing some amazing things where uh, he, uh, he took courage in verse 8, 
put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah. Um, in verse 11, they sacrificed to the Lord that day, 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep. Verse 12, it says, they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their hearts, with all their soul, that whoever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, should be put to death, whether young or old, man or woman. They swore an oath to the Lord. Verse 15, they'd sworn with all their heart and had sought him with, with their whole desire, and he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. Verse 16, even Maka, his mother, King Asa, removed from being queen mother because she had made it a testable image for Asherah, cut down her image, crushed it, burned it, the book Kidron. And uh, in verse 17, the heart of Asa was wholly true all his days. So that's pretty crazy. I mean, he, he's changing everything. It's seemingly pretty quickly saying, no, as for us here right now, this time we're going to serve God. We're going to get these idols out of here. We're going to start sacrificing the Lord again. We're going to make a covenant with God. They swear to God. And it says they swore with all their heart and they sought God with their whole desire. Oh, what a beautiful phrase. They sought God with their whole desire. When's the last time you sought God with your whole desire? Like, God, there's nothing else I want. It's like, even if I'm in a dry and weary land with no water, it's like, I just want everything that wants, everything in me that desires is, is just pointed towards you. So, so powerful. And, and he proves it by his actions, even, even his own mother He's saying, you know what? You, you're worshiping. Look at this, this idol you've set up. Look at this. You know what? You're no longer queen. Get her out of there. Cut down that crazy idol. Burn it. You, you know what? This, this was a, an amazing king. And it says that his heart was wholly true. And in verse 19, it says, There was no more war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. But... In the next verse, there's a switch. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa. So 35 years of peace, 35 years of being devoted to the Lord. And, uh, and what's crazy, uh, what, what happens in chapter 16 is a lot of us would look at this and go, that doesn't seem that bad. Okay, because what he does is uh, he, you know, the, he's about to go to war. And so what he, he, he does is rather than relying on the Lord, remember in chapter 14, how he relied on the Lord? Well, now he's got some friends. Now he's got some allies. Now he's got some power. Now he's had some success. And so when this war is about to happen, he grabs a king. Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, and he says in chapter 16, verse 3, he goes, hey, there's a covenant between me and you as there was between my father and your father. Behold, I'm sending you silver and gold. Break your covenant with the king of Israel. So he says, hey, come, come, come join me, uh, you know, combine with me, help me out. And then in verse 7, a prophet comes to uh, King Asa and he says, because you relied 
on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. Wow. Why? Why why this switch? He, He says, well, from now on, you had 35 years of peace. We're going to change it now. You're going to be fighting till the end. Why? Because you relied on this other king rather than relying on God. And he reminds me, he goes, what in the world? Don't you remember these other armies that were way bigger than you? And what happened? You defeated them. Why? Because you relied on the Lord. And so now at the end, this is what you're going to do? Rather than relying on him, you're going to rely on this person? He goes, that was foolish. And then he quotes, he says that verse that, man, I used to have this painted on our wall. He says, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro the earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. He says, don't you understand? God wants to support you. God God loved showing off and destroying those armies when you relied on him. But then once you went to your own human means and you relied on a human being, on another army, and you took your eyes off of God, that was foolish, foolish, foolish. And now you're going to face war. And I guess I look at that and I, it's so human nature for us to take over at some point. You know, when we're at our worst and we're crying out for mercy, saying, God, okay, I'm weak. There's no chance. I am dead without you. God answers. And then when things go well, suddenly we just rely on our wealth, our assets, our reputation. And God's not okay with that. That's not a minor sin. And so... I don't know, maybe I just leave you with that this week. It's just, you know, I mean, let me just finish out the story real quick. But, you know, Asa, after hearing that, the sad thing about the story of Asa is he doesn't repent. He gets angry at that prophet and puts him in prison and says he was in a rage with him because of this. And then he inflicts cruelties on the people. And then in verse 12, it says, then in the 39th year, Asa is diseased in his feet and his disease becomes severe. But even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And then he dies. It's like, oh, are you kidding me? You, you had, you started so well, you ran so well, and then somewhere you start relying on other things. And before we get self-righteous, just recognize this can happen to all of us. Man, these stories that are written throughout the Old Testament and new should warn us to look at our lives and go, man, God has done amazing things. Um, But I can't live off the past. I have to look now. Am I still relying on? on the Lord, but are all of his blessings causing me to 
rely on his blessings and his assets and past successes, or am I still seeking him with all of my heart?